Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Uncomfortable for Christ podcast. Hey, I'm so glad that you're back. And I've got something exciting today. I wanted to do something different. And so I thought I would share with you a sermon uh, that I preached uh, uh, some years back. The title of the sermon is Get Uncomfortable. Take me to Jesus so that I can walk. That's the title of today's episode. And I want you to sit back and listen because I really believe that you're going to be blessed. In this sermon, we examine our friendships and all of us need friends. We should have friends. But what's important is that when conflict or crisis arrives, that our friends are a real friend to us and take us to Jesus. So, hey, sit back and listen. I want you to sit back and listen to Take Me to Jesus So I Can Walk. You know, I I thank God for this opportunity and it it is time for for me to go to work. If you'll do me a favor, please turn uh, to the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be reading uh, uh, the first through the twelfth verse. First through the twelfth verse is what we're going to read. Uh, you know, I th- this is a very familiar story, very familiar uh, uh, miracle. It's found in all three of the Gospels: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And today I chose uh, I chose Mark's version because it kind of gives us uh, a little more detail. Uh, And so I'm going to read it today, this morning for this, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Uh, And it reads as this, it says, uh, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging it through, they lowered the mat, uh, they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Now, now some teachers of the law were sitting there and they were thinking to themselves, who does this fellow think, who, 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 why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit. He knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. We have never seen anything like this before. Repeat after me, everybody. Take me to Jesus 
so that I can walk. Take me to Jesus so that I can walk. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity, God. I thank you for your mercy, God. I thank you for your grace. I pray, God, that we would hear from you today, God. I pray that, that I would decrease, God, so that you can increase and that, that we would hear from you and learn from your text. God, we thank you today. We give you glory. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. You know, I really love this, this biblical story. Uh, it's a story of, of friendship and salvation and healing and miracles. And I'm just going to unpack a few things and, and, and highlight a few things, and then I'm going to, to take my seat. Um, the truth is, I really see no reason why, uh, you know, we couldn't be out of here by a quarter to, to five or six, if that's okay. <laughs> I promise you I'm joking. I promise you I'm joking. Listen, I, I wouldn't do a whole lot of blinking because you'll miss this message. I'm not going to be, be, be very long. So in our story, we see five friends. Four of the friends are, are taking their fifth friend to meet Jesus. They're taking this fifth friend not just to meet Jesus, to, to shake his hand, uh, not just to see who he is, but they're taking him to Jesus because they believe that Jesus can heal their friend. You see, this friend is paralyzed. He's unable to move. He's confined to a bed. The King James Version says that the man has palsy. Palsy is a form of paralysis where you also have tremors. So he was not able to move his body. His body moved involuntarily. These four friends, they knew that their other, that their other friend, that he needed help. And they believed that Jesus could help their friend. So what they do is they, they, they grab the corner of the bed and they proceed to take him to Jesus uh, who was at his house uh, in a seaside village of Capernaum. So they arrive at Jesus' house, and, and there's this huge crowd uh, inside of Jesus' house, and there's a huge crowd that's outside of Jesus' house. And the crowds have gathered to see Jesus, and he preached to them. And the four friends arrive, and, and they, they just can't get into Jesus. There's just so, there's just so many people. The crowd is just, just too big. So what they do is they decide to carry their friend up to the roof, and, and they're going to make a hole, and they're going to begin to lower their friend to Jesus. They're going to lower him to Jesus. Now, the houses in Capernaum in those days were very small, and they were largely made out of stone, and they also had flat roofs. And so on the top of the what they would do, because they had these flat roofs, and the roofs are usually made of straw and mud, they would build steps into the side of the house. Because when you have a roof that's, that's made of straw and mud because of the weather and all of that, sometimes you have to go up there and do some maintenance. So they built some steps into the side, and so the friends get an idea and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We can't get into the front because of the crowd. We can't get in the side. We can't get in the back. So let's go to the top. So they, they, they put some ropes, and they begin to take their friend up the steps of Jesus' house. They take their friend up the steps of Jesus' house and they get up to the top and they begin to peel away the straw and the mud and they peel away an entrance so that they can get to Jesus. And they look down inside and sure enough, Jesus is inside. He's inside. And so they, they begin to lower their friend down 
to Jesus. They begin to lower their friend to where Jesus is. They begin to lower him there. See, let me tell you something. I, I like these guys. I really do. I like these guys because they recognize that their friend needed Jesus. They recognize and had the faith to believe that Jesus could heal their friend, that Jesus could heal them. They also recognize that because he's physically paralyzed and unable to move and that their, their friend needed Jesus, you, you, they, they recognize that they've got to get him there somehow. They didn't, they didn't, uh, 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 you know, they, they didn't worry about their own selves getting tired. What was most important was getting that man to Jesus because they knew that Jesus could heal him. They knew that Jesus could heal him. Listen, can I submit to you that all of us need some friends like that? Some friends that will take us to Jesus when, when we need to be taken to Jesus? Can I also submit to you that that's the type of friend that we're supposed to be to each other? That, that, that we will take some folks to Jesus when, when, when we need to get to Jesus? I, I tell you, I, I, I like these guys. I, I, I really do. That's the type of friends that, that I'm grateful that I have in my life that will take me to Jesus, because many times when you have a bad friend, and, and let's say, for instance, you, your, your husband is acting up. Well, a bad friend is going to tell you, oh, girl, don't worry about that. Come to the club with me tonight because it's ladies night and the feeling's right. Come on to the club with me, right? And then, and then when, when Mr. Jones on the job is tripping, a bad friend will tell you, well, go on in there and cuss him out. They've been treating you bad all along anyway. Right? That, that, that's what a bad friend does. But let me, let me submit to you that a good friend will take you to Jesus. A good friend will take you to the Lord. That, that's what a good friend does. That's what a good friend does. See, a, a good friend, when, when you're having problems in your marriage, they tell you, listen, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Listen, do this. Bishop is, is teaching on marriage at Bible study tonight. I'll come pick you and your husband up. Come and go with me. That's what a good friend looks like. That's what a good friend looks like. Listen, a, when Mr. Jones on the job is tripping, instead of, instead of that friend telling you to go in there and fuss and cuss, a good friend tells you to go and read Colossians 3 and 23 that says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working unto the Lord and not for human masters. That's what a good friend does. We all need friends to encourage us and ultimately take us to Jesus. We need friends who will physically take us to Jesus or they'll take us there through praying and fasting for us. That's the type of friends that we need in our life. We need a friend that will take us to Jesus. See, l l let me say something to you. I wish, I wish that we had a president that would take this country to Jesus because that's what this country needs. I wish we had a president that would, that would say to the American people, hey, listen, tonight let's all get on our knees and let's pray about ISIS and let's pray about North Korea and let's pray about the KKK and, and, and the white supremacists. Let's pray about these things, about the violence and these things that plague our nation. That's the type of leadership I want that's going to take me to Jesus. And, and let me submit to you, if we had that, things would change. Things would change. But listen, don't worry about that. 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, what's great about you is that you can lower yourself. You can lower yourself as those men lowered that man. And you can lower yourself. And you can begin to take some stuff to Jesus. You can begin to pray and fast. And that's the awesome thing. When God has saved you, now you have access. You have access to the throne. You have access to be able to talk to God. You have access to be able to pray. You can take some things to Jesus, and you can claim some things, and God will do it. I promise you that he will. I promise you that he will. See, listen, let me tell you something. Some of us right in here, right in our own neighborhood, sometimes, sometimes we, we, wanna, we want things globally to change, but sometimes we need stuff to change right here, right here. Let, let me submit to you that, that that police station that you pass every day, take some time to take those officers to Jesus and begin to pray for them. That elementary school that you pass, there's a child in there that needs prayer. I promise you, there's a child in there that's got some issues. There's some teachers in there that have some issues. Take some time to take those folks to Jesus. You know, I, I want to share something with you because uh, I, I want to share this. I want to share a testimony that I heard the last time that I was here. And I, I, don't, I don't see Sister Vanessa. She's not here, right, Sister Vanessa Jennings? Okay, I'm, I'm going to share her testimony with you. The last time I was here, she said that her daughter called her, and she said, Mom, do you remember how nice our community used to be? Mom, do you remember how the children used to play outside? Do you remember how the, the neighbors used to walk? and exercise all through the neighborhood. Mom, do you remember that the elderly people used to sit on their porch and read the newspaper? Mom, do you remember those things? And her, and her mother said, yeah, of course. And she said, well, Mom, all of that has changed. The peace that used to be here is now gone. She said, Mom, three families have moved in, and they're disrupting the neighborhood. And I remember she said one family had these vicious dogs that kept getting loose. And another family threw wild parties and, and there were suspicious people everywhere. And she said another family, they were just, just nasty. They just were mean people. And, and you know, I like what, what Sister Vanessa did because she didn't call the police. She didn't tell her daughter, well, just call the police. She didn't tell her daughter, hey, listen, call seven on your side and have them come out and, and do a story. She didn't call Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton. She didn't call any of those folks. She told her daughter, she said, I'll be right over. She said, I'll be right over. And Sister Vanessa went over to her daughter's house. And she began to pray. And she began to walk the streets. She began to walk each street and pray and claim things by by, by the authority that God had given her. She began to walk those streets and she began to pray, God, bring peace back to this neighborhood. God, let your will be done. And some of the neighbors, they thought she was just out there exercising. But the truth is, she was exercising her faith. She was working her faith. She was working her faith. And she did this for several weeks. And I remember her saying, she said, you know, there was, there was times when I had to, to bundle up because it was cold. Let me, let me submit to you, when you begin to take things to Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy, but it's necessary. 
but it's necessary. And so she, 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 she began to walk and she began to pray. And she said when she, when she would get to one of the houses where, where one of these families lived, she said she took a little bottle of anointing oil and she began to just drip a few drops in their yard. She would drip a few drops and she just was praying that God would restore the peace. She was praying that God would restore the peace. See, Sister Vanessa was taking that whole neighborhood to Jesus. That whole community, she was taking them to Jesus. Nobody knew. Nobody knew but her and her daughter. She was taking them to Jesus. <laughs> she got a phone call. One day she got a phone call. Her daughter called her. Daughter was excited. She said, Mom, you are not going to believe this. Remember the family with the vicious dogs? There's a moving van in front of their house. <laughs> There's a moving van in front of their house. She gets a call another day. Her daughter says, Mom, you're not going to believe this. Remember the family that had the wild parties and the suspicious folks? Remember that, Mom? And Sister Vanessa said, yes. She said, they're moving out. They're moving out. She gets a call another day, and her daughter says, Mom, do you remember the, 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 the family that was just mean and nasty? She said, there's a moving van in front of their house. They are moving out. They are moving out. She gets another call. So all three of these families have moved out. She gets another call from her daughter. And her daughter says, Mom, you really not going to believe this. The peace has been restored. She said, the children are playing again. She said, people are exercising again. She said, the elderly are on their porches reading their newspapers again. This is an example of someone right in this church who took, who took a whole community to Jesus. A whole community to Jesus. I promise you it works. I promise you it, it works. Now, in our text, in our, in our, in our text, Jesus does the unexpected. He does what nobody expects, right? I would submit to you that Sister Vanessa did the unexpected. Nobody expects her to be walking that community and praying. And in our text, Jesus does the unexpected. He does the unexpected for this man who was paralyzed. The man's friends, and I'm sure the crowd inside, you know, they, they expected Jesus to immediately heal this man. They, they had lowered him down, and they figured that Jesus would immediately heal him. But Jesus does the unexpected. He did something that they didn't expect. Jesus says to, to the friends, friends, because of your faith, because of your faith. He says, because of your faith. He turns to the man and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. This was unexpected. Jesus saw that not only did this man have a physical sickness, he was also spiritually sick. In fact, he was more than sick. He was spiritually dead because he was not saved. He was not saved. What I love is that Jesus is more concerned about the man's spiritual condition than he was his physical condition. See, Jesus knew that this man needed salvation more than he needed physical healing. Jesus does the unexpected in this man's life. He does the unexpected. Can I submit to you that when you come to Jesus, he will do some unexpected things in your life? See, some people would never believe that now you're in church and you're saved. 
Some folks would never believe that. Some people would never believe that you started out at that job sweeping the floors, and now you own the floors that you're sweeping. Jesus can do the unexpected for you. Some people would never believe that you, who abuse drugs, is now off of drugs and you're helping other folks. That's because Jesus has done something unexpected in your life. You know, I like, uh, Donnie McClurkin wrote a song, and, and Marvin Wine is singing it, that said, who would have thought? Who would have thought I'd get to know you this way? He said, you, you know, I heard folks talk about the things you've done, and, and I just kind of laughed. But who in time thought that I would be the one? Who would have thought I'd get to know you this way, Jesus? Who would have thought that you would do some unexpected things in my life? Who would have thought you would clean up a sinner like me? Who would have thought, Jesus, that you would do those things? Jesus does the unexpected things in this man's life. He does those things. He does those things. I want to raise this for you because once Jesus does something unexpected, here come the haters, right? Here, here come the haters. Jesus, see, if, if Jesus had just healed him, that might have been okay. But Jesus forgives the, that man's sins. And so here comes the haters. According to our text, after Jesus does the unexpected and saves this man by forgiving his sins, the religious leaders begin to think to themselves, oh man, who does he think he is? He's blaspheming because only God can forgive sins. Only God can do that. Now, Jesus has done the unexpected, and he's given this man the greatest blessing that he'll ever receive, the absolute greatest blessing he'll ever receive. And they're upset about it. They're upset about it. They're, they're, they're hating. They're hating. They, they're saying that, that Jesus is blaspheming. He gave this man the gift of eternal life, and they're upset. They're hating on, on, on Jesus and they're hating on what Jesus has done in this man's life. But what I like about the text is that the paralyzed man never had to deal with the haters. The paralyzed man never said a word. Jesus dealt with the haters. Jesus dealt with the haters. And he says to them, Jesus says, basically says to them, hey, listen, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am God in the flesh, and that gives me authority to forgive sin. And Jesus said, okay, if you don't think that I have the power to forgive sin, well, how did I read your minds and know what you were thinking? I knew what you, you were thinking. And, and, and he says, and, and now, so that there will be no doubt that I have the power to forgive sins, I'm going to heal this man. See, family and friends, when you belong to Jesus, he will take care of those haters. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to worry about them. Because Jesus knows that, that they're, they're plotting stuff against you. He knows what they're going to try to do to you. He knows all of that. But I want to encourage you today to stop worrying about haters. Can I share with you that a hater is an indicator? Repeat that with me. A hater is an indicator. A hater is an indicator. L let me break that down for you. O on your car, you have what's commonly called a turn signal, right? But if you look in the, in the owner's manual, it's called, they're called indicator lights. They're called indicator lights. They indicate that something is about to happen. They indicate that that car is going to turn left. They indicate that that car is about to turn right. Your haters 
are indicators. They indicate that God's getting ready to do something great in your life. They indicate that God's getting ready to bless you, just as he did with this man. Just as he did with this man. Before he heals this man, the haters came. So I want to tell you today, don't worry about the haters, because Jesus will take care of them. Be encouraged when they come, because a blessing's coming behind it. A blessing is coming behind it. So, so Jesus essentially says to these re religious folks, he says, okay, well, let me show you who I am. And he heals this paralyzed man. He heals this man, and he tells the man, he, he turns to the man, and he says, man, listen, take up your bed, go home. He says, take up your bed, walk, and go home. Take up your bed and go home. He never touches the man. He never touches him. He never gave the man some medicine. He never, he, the, the reason why Jesus healed him is because he spoke into his situation. He spoke into what he was, what, what was going on with him. He told the man to get up. And I feel the Lord is telling some of us right in this room that it's time to get up. It's time to begin to walk. It's time to begin to walk. If Jesus has healed you, he's going to take care of everything else. It's time for you to begin to walk. It's time for you to begin to exercise your faith like Sister Vanessa did. It's time for us as the people of God to act like the people of God and act like the authority that God has given us and begin to walk on situations and begin to, to claim things in the name of Jesus and to begin to do things. Judah Temple, it's time to get up. It's time to get up and walk because God has healed you. If God has saved you, he's given you the most precious gift that you can ever have. That should boost your self-esteem to be ready to walk. That should boost things for you to say, you know what, for God I live and for God I die. Huh? That, that should boost you to be ready to take your communities back, to take situations back, to, to put off depression and pull down strongholds of envy and jealous because God has given you the authority to now walk. God is calling you to walk. God is calling you to walk. He saved your soul and he is calling you to walk. He wants to do something unexpected with your life. He wants to do that with you. He wants you to begin to bless his name. He wants, listen, let me tell you something. On your job, on your job, there are folks who need you right on that job. There's folks who are not saved that need you to witness to them. The places that you go, you're needed. It's time to get up and walk. God has healed you. God has delivered you. God has saved you. It's time to walk. It's time to get up and walk. It's time to get up and walk. It's time to take back our families. It's time to take back our friends. It's time to stand on the word of God. It's time to stand on the word of God in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 that says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. It's time to pull down some strongholds of racism, some strongholds of lack. It's time. It's time. It's time. Can I submit to you, Judah Temple, that I see greatness out here. I see greatness in you. I see greatness in you. If you are saved, you have greatness in you. You have greatness in you. And it's time for you to begin to act. It's time for you to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Huh? 
get off the sidelines and get in the game, right? And, and let me tell you something. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. It's time to get in the game. I feel God saying to all of us, it's time to get into game. It's time to get in the game because here's why it's so important. Because time is winding up. You don't have much more time. It's time to put one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. And it's time to be working for the Lord. It's time. I promise you it's time. You, you, listen, and I want to say this too. If you're not saved today, then today is the perfect day to give your life to Jesus. Today's the perfect day. He will save you. He will heal you. He will do the incredible in your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. Stand all over this place for me. If you're not saved today, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation for you. I promise you that it is. God wants to save you. He loves you. He loves you. If you're not saved today, join me at the altar. You know, I remember when, when I first got saved. And the hardest thing, the hardest thing was stepping out of that seat. It was, that was the hardest part, was stepping out of that seat. And I remember when, when I finally did, and I stepped out of that seat, and I began to walk up the aisle. And people began to clap and encourage me. And it became, with every step, it became easier. With every step, I began to see what God was getting ready to do in my life. I began to see it. I began to see it. And if you're not saved today, today is the day. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't look around. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus. I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. I'll help you. I'll take you down that aisle. I'll, I'll help you down the aisle. We'll all help you. Come to Jesus. Today is the day. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You don't know if you have tonight. If you're not saved today, please come to Jesus. Please come.